Welcome to Listen In. My name is Stephanie Gates, and I want to invite you to listen in on conversations I have with my friends as we discuss engaging college students with the gospel. For sitting down with me. I'm really excited about today's conversation. We're going to jump in and talk about something that I think is really prevalent and really difficult. And we're talking about mental health, uh, specifically with what we're seeing within uh, college students and on our campuses. And I know with my experience that I needed to talk with some experts. And so you have both been people that I've approached um, and asked a lot of questions. And so when this topic kept coming up, I decided, okay, I was going to go to the two that I've been going to already. And so what I want to do is give you a second to introduce yourself. Uh, I would love for our listeners to not only hear about you, but your experience uh, and what it is that you do. So Leanne, I'll start with you. I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a great topic. And I really appreciate, Stephanie, what you're doing uh, and the information that you're getting out there. It's very valuable. Uh, My name is Leanne Heath, and I am a licensed professional counselor. Uh, I am owner of my practice called True North Counseling in Corinth, Texas. And through my whole journey of counseling, which has been a couple of decades, working with various ages and various individuals and families and different dynamics um, in different times of what people are going through and what seems to be the general culture. Um, And it's been kind of fascinating and sad at the same time to see the current culture that we're in. Um, and the struggles that that is causing a lot of people, um, especially during that transition from teenager into adulthood, um, which is where we find a lot of the college students. Um, So I'm anxious uh, to hear what everything has to be said today. I'm excited about getting some new information and sharing information, and just grateful that I'm here. So thank you. Well, I'm excited as well. And Jessica, you are a friend of the podcast. You've been here once before. You're an expert in two different worlds. Um, and so I'll let you remind everybody what you've done and also share a little bit about your your counseling experience. Yeah, so thank you for having me again on the show. I appreciate that. Um, so my name is Jessica DeRoach. I currently work for a community college in the area called North Central Texas College. My primary role with that is I run two different campuses. Um, So that includes everything under the sun as far as the facilities, crisis, just everything. So just a little um, thought there. And then um, I've also run college ministries at different churches. And so that's my heart is college students. Hence, I still live in semesters with them. Like, I never get out of it, so I love it. And then I'm also an LPC. So I do not see clients or counseling at my day job, but I do that in the evening with restoration counseling in Louisville. So, and I've been there since 2005, so a while, um, almost a long time. I'll just say that. <laughs> a long time. I primarily see um, young adults as my kind clientele, primarily female. Um, it's just an age group that I, I enjoy working with and kind of helping those um, women kind of get through some tough times. Um, and so it's really exciting. So I love that population. I love that I get to work on a college campus, but then I also get to help on the side. I never have students that are, I see in on a daily basis as clients. That's just kind of a boundary that I set. Um, occasionally I will see clients out and about, and they could come to my institution, but I pretty much leave it 
you know, boundaries and I don't engage and stuff like that. So I, I make sure they, they feel safe and know that that's a different role. So. Yeah. One of the, the things that I've noticed, I've been doing college ministry at UNT for 13 years, about to start my 14th year. And I have seen during my time specifically in Denton and at this campus some distinct changes that have happened uh, when it comes to the life and the experience of a college student. One of those things that I've seen has been the increase with uh, mental illness, uh, specifically when it comes to depression and anxiety, I think would be the two that I really experience, uh, in some cases, uh, weekly. And so, Jessica, with your experience being on a, a campus as well as being a counselor, I asked if you had any statistics that you thought could help kind of paint a picture for what we're going to be talking about. And so I wanted to just give you a chance to share those. And Leanne, as you feel um, inclined, go ahead and come in and share our, your input on what you think as well. Okay. So. So I researched statistics, like you said, and what I came up with was there was a survey back in 2013 with um, university and college counseling center directors. So that's a very interesting kind of population because they see everything. And so what that survey kind of indicated was about 41, almost 42% of the students that they had coming through those centers were anxiety. They were coming in with some sort of anxiety. And then in the, the second thing would be depression, about 36%. And then the, the third thing that they um, reported was relationship problems of about 36% as well. And so on, from what I see on the college campus, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Um, and then you can go kind of from there as far as adjustment. How do I adjust in this new situation? Which I think we know with young adults kind of coming out of high school and into college, it's like a lot of new. Mm -hmm. A lot of maybe yeah. parents have done things for them and now they're having to do it themselves or their parents are still kind of doing things for them and they don't know what that, how to not have that anymore because they don't want that. Um, and then something else that I've seen, and I have another statistic, is identity is a big issue, kind of where they fit and how they fit. So I, like I said, I work at a community <coughs> college. And so where my campus is currently located, I have three high schools within two miles of that campus. And what's interesting is those students will come over and maybe they have friends at other schools, they may have friends that come to that campus, but they kind of try to bring all those clicks and all those things from high school to the campus and they get there and like, that doesn't work here. And it doesn't because it's so many different people and you don't see the same people necessarily all the time. Um, and then I know at UNT when I went there and you know, it's too big. Exactly. There's no way for you to connect on that level and kind of bring that unless you join certain organizations and kind of be involved in some way. So it's very interesting for me, definitely the anxiety I see, depression, and then I always say an identity of some sort. Now, as far as counseling, I see a lot of um, my clients are kind of struggling with identity and kind of anxiety, kind of co comorbidly, kind of figuring out what <clears throat> it is and so forth. And when I say identity, it doesn't mean necessarily gender or anything like that. It's more figuring out where do I stand, who am I, and so forth. So, Before we jump into the full conversation that we're going to have, I want to come back to this idea of anxiety. What I have experienced and what we see is oftentimes, with, especially if they grew up in the church and they're struggling with anxiety, they, the verse in Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything. And then there's some pretty extensive shame that they then feel, why can I not just pray this away? Why won't God just take this? And so what I have really had to think through and work through is what's the difference between um, anxiety or worrying about something that's going on and possibly um, an actual anxiety disorder? 
mm-hmm. and something that could be a little bit deeper. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm trying to learn from the experts because this is something I see all the time. Well, I think anxiety, the way I approach anxiety when people come in, that it is a rooted spirit of fear. And I think from what I'm seeing, it is performance-based. And that comes from a lot of growing up, especially with this generation growing up on social media. It is perception and it is performance. And when they come into a college situation, they lose their circle of friends, like Jessica was talking about. They don't have that same net. Their family is not there. So they have a tremendous amount of isolation. Um, They're alone. They don't have the support group. And yet they're still having that performance of, I have to achieve a certain level based on social media. And unfortunately, I think they get the same response in churches by a response of, we'll pray it away. And it's a behavioral response of, if you do these things, then these things will happen. Whereas that's not necessarily what I deal with. What I deal with is their fear of they're not worthy just who they are. They don't have the worth and the identity of who Christ created them to be. And the only time that is ever challenged is when they're out on their own. And they don't have a group telling them, this is who you are. And so I think for me that that's the biggest difference is you have a level of anxiety is more of a nervousness, uh, not knowing what to expect before you go on and speak Mm -hmm. um, at a conference, uh, waiting for the doctor to call, Mm -hmm. where uh, an anxiety disorder is you're living your life in a constant state of fear and you're living of what ifs. And your every decision you have to make is playing out what if. And so you're trying to talk through and figure out every possible scenario and how you're going to respond, which then just increases this anxiety. So when we go pray to Christ and it doesn't take it away, that causes a lot of, well, I must not be doing it correctly. You know, I've got to go figure out a different way where it's not a performance-based, it's a heart issue, and it's a core issue. And so, for me, that's how I approach the differences. Do you have any other insight that you would like to add to that question? I think with anxiety, what I've seen is, depending on the student, it could be more specific. Maybe they feel really grounded with a relationship with God, and then something happens, something's triggered, whether it's school, academics, they're not performing as well as they were, or um, maybe their friend group has kind of dissipated and Mm -hmm. they feel kind of lost, like you were saying, and isolated. So sometimes it can be triggered. They had that strength and that faith, and then something happens and it kind of shifts them. Well, then they start questioning, like you were saying, and start doubting, like, well, maybe this isn't enough, and then then it just kind of spirals out, and then we have to kind of figure out, okay, 
let's let's reverse back a little bit and kind of see where 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 did this kind of begin if it was triggered by something specific and then right. how do you kind of approach it from there and guide them through that process um but it's, it's it's hard to know sometimes you know where the root is right um and i think with some individuals it's hard to express themselves maybe within their church family within their regular family within within their friends so they keep a lot of things hidden and that just adds another layer of kind of of a burden on them like i have to have this perfect social media presence but the reality is is they're cracking all inside and maybe a few people know it if they're if they're able to share with those few individuals um, but it gets difficult, and you can only stuff so much, and you can only kind of put makeup on something, or kind of put it in the corner, or whatever, until it just it falls apart. Right. And what I've seen is students can keep it together for a long time, and then it just breaks. Mm-hmm. And once it breaks, it's like the floor falls out and everything collapses. Right. Right. And so then it's figuring out, okay, it's this and this and this, and they think it's one thing, but it ends up being like several. And so at least when I work with them, it's like, okay, they are, they're all connected. Right. So we're going to work on them as best we can as, as we, excuse me, as we go. So, Well, I appreciate just that perspective. Because like I said, that's something that I think I probably see the most mm-hmm. is how do I walk with them and, and help them address maybe some faith issues, but at the same time recognizing um, when am I being helpful and when am I being hurtful in that time that I'm, I'm trying to invest and so with that, I want to kind of pivot us into the conversation I want us to have, because it really comes down to that phrase that I just said. When, I be, when am I, as BSM Director Stephanie, being helpful and when am I being hurtful? When it comes to really investing into the life of a college student when they're really struggling with something. And so what I want us to think through and really what I want to hear your perspective on is this main question is what do you wish the local church understood about responding to these trends that we've been talking about, Jessica, that you shared with college students? And my hope is literally that I'm going to be able to better invest in students because of this conversation. And then anyone else that may listen would start to think through what does this look like for me to obediently walk with someone as they are pursuing a relationship with the Lord, but they also are walking through something really, really hard. So I'm throwing out a really big question to you is what do you wish the local church knew or or how do you wish they would respond when they encounter a college student that's really struggling with maybe depression anxiety suicide and those issues of identity um and so what comes to mind when i throw that question out my first thought is seek a professional (laughs) yeah and i say that firmly but then also kind of with a grin but you have people that go and feel led to go and be a counselor. We're trained for that. We have experience with that. And so for me, if you feel uncomfortable in your position working with a college student and they are going through things, and not to say that you haven't had your own experience that can kind of help them, but I would always say go seek professional and guide them in that direction because that's their that's gonna now be their person. Mm-hmm. And they and they can kind of build that relationship with that counselor and be able to work on some things that necessarily you're not qualified to do. Um, so that's my first go-to is go to the professional. Um, and I've, I've had clients over the years that um, haven't done that, and then they finally come and get it, and they're like, I don't know why I waited so long. 
I'm like, I don't know either, but you're here. And so we can work where you are now. Um, and I think people in churches have really good hearts. I'm not saying that, but it's knowing your limitations. Mm -hmm. I had a college leader, and I still lead with her today, actually. And she walked me through a lot of things, but then she was also forthright and be like, you need to go talk to somebody. And that was just awesome. It was encouraging, like, yeah, I know. And she's like, okay, so let me know. I'm like, okay. And so it took me a while to get there, but I got there. Um, but it was nice that she didn't take that on because um, she wasn't qualified, but she definitely encouraged me to go seek that out. So. What about you, Leanne? Well, <clears throat> my wish is that, and I don't know if this is with every church. I haven't talked with enough uh, pastors and church leaders to, to really grasp what their strongest issue is. But in a way, it's kind of like I am not asking you to send somebody to come to counseling as an alternative to Christ. Mm -hmm. It's not instead of. Mm -hmm. It is in conjunction with. Um, that we walk this journey together and that seeking a counselor is not sinful. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that you're not strong enough in your faith. It just means you're struggling and you need a person full of wisdom, which I learned wisdom is obedience and knowing the Lord. That's where wisdom comes from. So if you send somebody to a counselor who has that wisdom, who is obedient and knowing the Lord, then they're going to help them understand this struggle, which is only going to enhance the client's relationship with Christ, which is what the leadership is wanting anyway. I think the leadership, at least the ones that I have spoken to, um, haven't had a life where they've had to struggle. And so it seems foreign to them, and they don't get it. Um, and so they're like, well, you know, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's great, but not everybody is you. Um, and there are different levels. And then you get to, well, they think, okay, the people that really need counseling have these severe mental disorders, need to be on medication, and that's okay. And... That's not necessarily everybody we see. We see normal people. We see everyday people. I work with some ministry leaders who have a great relationship with Christ, but struggle. That doesn't have anything to do with their relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. It's separate of that. So I wish that they would recognize that we're a partner with them, not a competition, not something that's gonna go against their belief system, we're not going to encourage people to go outside of Christ. Uh, we're just going to help them learn to have a true heart in walking with Christ while we figure out all of these struggles. And knowing that um, an indication of when they're hurting as opposed to helping is, one, your difficult big signs. If you know that there's abuse, if there's a threat of suicide, um, you know, definitely that's when you refer. But also as a leader, if you find yourself working with somebody and you seem like you're going around in circles, that nothing needs, nothing is changing, instead of coming at it from this person isn't doing what they're supposed to do, come at it from, 
hmm, maybe this person is struggling or has a blockage that they're not understanding, and maybe that's what I need to refer them outside um, because they're having a, an issue that I'm not getting and they're not getting. They're not understanding what I'm saying, so there I need to send it to a professional. So if you find yourself frustrated in working with someone and things aren't changing, don't assume that it's the client's fault not doing it. Send them to a professional who can then help them walk through it, again, with Christ, uh, but just from a different perspective as opposed to somebody who was trained in seminary, somebody who was trained in counseling, both coming at it from a Christian perspective. I realized really, really quickly that there was a lot that seminary did not prepare me for. I often make the joke that one of the books I will write down the road <laughs> is... Uh, the things seminary never taught me. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're bringing up, this is one of those things. Right. Uh, I really appreciate the practicality of the list you kind of gave. When we, those of us in ministry, as, or even just lay leaders, when we start to see certain things, that's what we need to almost recognize really quickly. I need to bring in a partner. I appreciate right. the way you worded counseling is... Uh, a way that we can help them grow in their relationship with the Lord, and we partner together, right. really for the well-being of this person. Right. And so you you brought up, you know, if there's been history of abuse, trauma, suicide, those type of things, we should kind of almost have like a mental checklist of if these are the things that are happening uh, or that are being brought up. And as you said, if we're we continue to talk around this topic, then it's probably a really good idea for me to seek that partner that can right. come in and, and walk alongside us. Right. And in that opportunity, I then get to shift into more of someone who is caring, right. um, walking with them, praying, support, um, but getting to trust the person who has the education and the experience and the expertise and the knowledge that I don't have. Right. One of the things that I um, have learned just through friends of mine that are counselors is this, this holistic approach to a person that, you know, we're spiritual people, we're emotional, we're physical, and mental, all these things go together. And while I might be an expert in talking about the spiritual with somebody, there's other aspects that I just don't know. Right. And so I just appreciate what you both had to say. I'm sitting here even taking notes as we go, just trying to think through what does this practically look like within my context. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of come back, um, when we want to, or when we recognize, okay, now it's time to bring in that partner, to recommend counseling what do you think is that next step so as a, a ministry leader how do I go about finding someone who I trust I would recommend um, and also is going to come at it from a theory that is something that I think is going to strengthen their relationship with the Lord rather than harm it mm -hmm. what, what would you recommend should be my go to for that I think it's learning your resources in your area and who the counselors are. Um, obviously, we, we live in the Metroplex, so there's tons of different areas and there's tons of counselors, and we just happen to be in a saturated field, right, right where we are. Um, but it's learning what's the best fit for students. Right. Like, I know as a counselor, I have limitations. If someone comes in or calls and wants to discuss that they have an eating disorder, that's probably not my strength. That's not, and if they're currently in the cycle of that, I'm not their counselor. Right. And so it's knowing the strengths of the counselors in your area, <coughs> whether it be someone who's really good at addictions, 
okay, maybe that's a, you know, and not that you have to have a counselor for every kind of disorder, but maybe what you see the most and, and talk to them. Be like, hey, what's your experience in these areas? I work on a college campus or I work with college students. Kind of where do you land? And just be very open and counselors can tell you, here's, here's my kind of theory of counseling. Here's how I work with individuals. Here are my strengths. It's like when we were talking earlier, you know, before we started, my go-to is really females and young adults. doesn't mean I can't see a wide range of individuals. That's just kind of where my clientele has primarily been. Um, but if it came to, like, couples or families, I'm probably not your go-to. I'm more individual mm-hmm. and so forth. So I'm going to definitely refer out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's knowing and trusting and asking those questions mm-hmm. to those counselors. Um, and, and then, obviously, if you... If you work on a college campus, there are counseling centers, but I would almost do the same thing with those counseling centers. And granted, they are going to rotate out a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. And so if there is a student that I'm going to, they're a sophomore and you know they have a few more years on your mm-hmm. campus, you can refer out to a counseling center. And the, usually they have a number of sessions that they could use and they could probably continue to go. But if the person they've bonded with and they click with that now leave, then that's a whole nother transition for them. So counseling centers are great on campuses, but know that turnover is going to happen with those individuals. So whether it be per semester or every year, um, and you, as a counselor, sometimes we can see somebody in 10 sessions or sometimes it's 20. It really depends on on the issues and the client. Um, But I think if you can ask questions and get to know who they are, you'll feel way more comfortable Mm -hmm sending them you know and not that you have to have a checklist like okay what's your theory here and what do you believe about this in the bible and blah 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 because a lot of times that may come up but they the client may not know where necessarily where we land per se it's really helping them and guiding them and if we're partners then you're taking care of more of this more of the spiritual side Mm -hmm. and kind of filling them in and then we're guiding and doing the the mental health side so I, I agree you've got to know your resources um, and if you're coming from a church perspective or a ministry um, what I did when I opened up True North is I made appointments with several pastors of local churches that were a certain distance from me went and talked with them shared with them my heart my theology um, not that they're the same denomination or anything like that but just where I would take them in counseling, what my purpose is and what my goal is. So that one, they know who I am, they know what I do, um, they know my background, they know what church I go to, they know how I grew up. Um, And then I also shared with them my heart to walk with them and partner with them. And I have a great church that when they refer somebody here, Um, it is known that they will sign a a release of information so that I can be in contact with that pastor. And I share with that pastor, hey, I would like to see them get into this particular ministry. Hey, I would like for you to find them some mentors that look like this. Um, I had one that I was like, hey, I really need this guy to work in the children's area. I need him in with two or three-year-olds. And he's like, okay. And we talk about it. So we're walking in this as a partnership uh, that I am open to conversating with 
the home church so that they can continue walking with them. It is all about relationships and having that. And I think what the church could do um, with college students, one, college students are coming in with depression and anxiety performance and alone. They don't have those connections. The churches have got to get on the campus to meet them where they're at um, and provide that direction. I read somewhere, we talked about this in one of my... Um, classes at church, and I, and I went and tried to find it because I couldn't find where it was at um, or when the study was done, but there was a study that while there are more um, college students who identify as evangelical Christians than ever before, the large majority of them, and I think it was around 80%, don't believe in evangelizing. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to be told this is what you believe, or this is the truth. They want everybody to be okay with it. So I think churches have to come on campus and realize that and come at it from that point and just develop a relationship with them. Not so much of trying to force them to come into the church, but to just develop that relationship on campus. And I don't know, you were saying, Jessica, that there's, um, you know, on college campuses, with the counseling centers and stuff like that would be cool if maybe some local churches would pull together and have a counseling center um, through one of the student unions, uh, the you know, like through the Baptist Student Union, have a counseling center there that they support that the kids can come to. You're not forcing them to go into any other church. You're not forcing them to be part of a church to pay for it. But again, it's just developing those relationships of where it's at. So I think if the church could come out and go, okay, we are dealing with these college students that feel alone. They don't want to be told what to do, uh, but they do need that support, you know, to come on campus, walk with them, and then have the referral base of counselors that are already partnering with the local churches to then take that student on and partner with that student mm -hmm. and then you're just expanding that student's support mm -hmm. and the people in that student's lives mm -hmm. which ultimately might lead them into the church uh, to where they actually then will go into the church uh, and become involved yes yeah, statistically we know with generation z which is this really this current generation, uh, they're up to about 19 years old. Less than 4% would claim to have a biblical worldview, and over 60 to 80%, I can't remember the exact statistic off the top of my head, view the church as an unsafe place mm -hmm. because they feel like this isn't a place where I can ask my questions. Right. You, The way you view the world doesn't align with how I view the world. We're in a postmodern context right. where they have been taught to distrust everything, to distrust authority, to question everything. Truth doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. And if your truth con conflicts with mine, then it can't be true. Um, right. And so we're finding this: the ministry of proximity and presence is essential. It's going to where they are, investing well, building those relationships, recognizing that it takes time before you get to have those gospel conversations. Right. And one of the most practical ways you can do that is by meeting needs. Mm -hmm. And I would say one of the biggest needs that I have on our campus of over 38,000 students is um, a way to help 
provide counseling for our students. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I talk to churches about is I would love to even see our local association create a way that we can have churches give to a fund that covers the cost for a student to go see a counselor. Mm-hmm. It's gone through, goes to the association, there's an, an application mm-hmm. process. Uh, that, that's something that I dream about uh, mm-hmm. as a way for us to physically meet needs um, in hopes of then getting to have those gospel conversations with right. those students and inviting them in. And what I have found, for me, you brought up the, the campus counseling centers. There are times that I do refer students because it's our only option. Right. It's, it's free. They typically get six sessions, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the harder thing for me is I don't know the person. They mm-hmm. probably are working on practicum or internship hours, so I know mm-hmm. that they're very new. Um, but what I've had to realize, and as I pray through it, is I have to trust that the Spirit is going to move and work. Right. And as I walk along beside them, um, just trust, okay, if this is our only option, then we're going we're gonna to pursue this until the Lord opens another door if this doesn't work. Right. I just uh, want to say yeah. that I think that is a great idea of going through the association mm-hmm. and having different churches support that. And I would even say... More so if you offered a room at the student union at your office to, that where counselors would come in and maybe they would agree to a nominal fee and they would agree to see two students at a time mm-hmm. and that they go there mm-hmm. instead of the expectation mm-hmm. of college students coming out. A lot don't have transportation. It costs more mm-hmm. for transportation, um, and to ha- and then they know the counselors that are seeing. And I think a reasonable caseload is to take two, go out there and schedule them back to back in a room. You know, doesn't cost the counselor anything mm-hmm. except maybe a little bit of drive time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they're pouring into it. The other churches are then pouring in and hopefully then can develop a relationship and that a release could then be signed that in the counseling process, if needs are determined, then that counselor can then reach out through the association of this student needs this. Mm -hmm. And then the association can help tie that Mm -hmm. to area churches um, to do that. I think that would be a phenomenal idea. Because as a counselor, I'm aware of resources in the area, too, because even working with them on their behavioral, their emotional issues, sometimes it's just finding a mechanic. Where can they go get something done that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? And I've got to have all those resources. If that was taken off of me and I could refer them to somebody else that I knew was going to give them those resources... Yeah. That would be great, and especially if they can follow through with that, that gets me back to counseling the behavioral and emotional issues instead of the physical needs that they're needing. Well, it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You mm-hmm. have to meet the basic needs and then move up, and sometimes the basic need is, I'm hungry, mm-hmm. or, you know, I haven't slept, or whatever those cases may be, and, you know, college <coughs> students are college students, and they don't take care of themselves. They, they don't. I remember I ate animal crackers for breakfast in college. <laughs> not the most nutritious breakfast, but that's what I did. And a Dr. Pepper. Yes. Totally not good. Yes. And so I think for them, sometimes in a counseling setting, you do have to check in on like, okay, how mm-hmm. are you sleeping? What right. are you eating? 
when was the last time you ate sometimes? And I don't necessarily do that all the time with every client. When I'm on my campus dealing with a client, with a mm -hmm. crisis with a student, I'm checking in, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, because that is important because they're yes. on campus and something's happened because this issue has occurred. Right. And so we have to address it. Um, so knowing those resources, and there are some great resources around us, but if you're not in our area, then seeking those out and figuring out where they are, whether it's finding a mechanic. Um, sometimes students are just lonely. What are some organizations that they can get involved in if you don't have a BSM or mm -hmm. the churches are too far away to even to get to? Is there something on campus or something in the area that they can be involved in? Right. Um, so it's definitely... And knowing what they are and then realizing okay as a counselor I don't have to do all that I can just show them and, be, and they can decide if they want but students are hard because they think I got it and they really don't got it yeah, right. they need a lot more right. than what they say and sometimes you have to dig a little bit right. and so I think sometimes churches maybe that's an area where they could fill in the gap we're like, mm -hmm. hey, students, here's our resources mm -hmm. in the area. Maybe not through our church, but local that you can tap into. Right. Um, and sometimes that's needed. Right. And they just need to know where to go. Because they are not going to ask the question. But if you have it posted mm -hmm. or it's online, they will find it. Mm -hmm. and, then they, and then they'll ask. Or they'll go seek it out themselves. But as long as that's available... And that's what I, I mean, it's just hard. So students don't like to ask a lot of questions, but right. if they can find it and research it, they will find and Google and research something to this yes. and, and, and look right. for it. Yeah. If they see Bible studies or meetup groups via like Snapchat, mm -hmm. Instagram, they're going to show up because they want that connection. Yeah. If it's on church, if it's on church, if it's on campus. Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's led by a church or not, even if it's just a, hey, come meet up, hey, freshmen, mm -hmm. come have an ice cream social. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're going to find it as long as it's on social media. Mm -hmm. They're going to they're gonna go. They're yeah. going to join in. Yeah. We've been really intentional with RBSM to think through um, what is it that we can offer? How do we help students? Isolation is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. And so literally on our welcome page untbsm.com you'll see there's three steps to getting connected the first one is come to a connection meeting where you get to sit down with a staff member or one of my key student leaders and we give you 30 minutes to an hour of our time just to get to know you right. and during that time i'm learning about where you're from hoping to hear your story hoping to possibly even get to tell you about jesus help well i want to help you think through how do you get connected so the next would be come to a connect event we offer at least one sometimes up to five connect events a month for you to come and just get to meet people. And then the third is come to our Connect Worship, which is on Thursday nights, and we get you into a small group Bible study. But the whole hope, literally I say, is I've got three points. I want to help you connect to God, whatever that may look like. Mm -hmm. So if you grew up in church, um, or maybe you've never been in church and you have questions, mm -hmm. I want to help you connect to God. I want to help you connect to friends because you're lonely and you're isolated and we're on a campus of over 38,000. But I also want to help you make an impact on your campus. So what does it look like for you to be so connected that when you leave, you'll be missed? Right. And that's our hope. And so we we try to walk with them. And the craziest thing is when I put that up on our website, I read this marketing book and all this, trying to think through, how do I better engage college students with our website? And I literally thought, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But every week, sometimes I get up to six people who just click it and say, I found this on your site. And just by walking them through the process and saying, here's exactly how you get connected here, mm -hmm. um, has really been a game changer for us. 
um, because they are looking, they're lonely, and if we can meet them where they are, which a lot of times is the screen of their phone, mm-hmm. uh, what can we do? And if I can get them past that mm-hmm. to where they can walk in and even just come and hang out and grill s'more, do s'mores or play games mm-hmm. or whatever it may be, um, then I can help kind of address that isolation issue, which I think is going to help with a lot of other things. So I want to take us into a controversial conversation. You up for it? Go for it. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so this is just a conversation that um, I know I'm having in my area. What is the difference between a Christian counseling theory and biblical counseling theory? How would you define the two? What are the differences? Would you say there's a difference? What are your thoughts on those two theories? You want to go or you want to go? I'll let you go. So, and I, 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 you and I talked about this a little bit. Um, And so from my perspective, and I've met several counselors who have come through more of a, a biblical counseling perspective, and obviously I did not go that direction. Um, so my kind of philosophy and where I land is I'm a Christian and I let clients and individuals know that that's where my brace is. That's my framework of kind of who I am as a person and then I counsel. What I've seen through clients who have gone to more of a biblical counselor in, in the framework of we're going to read the Bible together and do a Bible study and that's the counseling hasn't been successful for those clients and there and I don't know how many I don't have a number but there's been quite a few over the 10 plus years that I've been practicing Um, and what I have found with those clients is they get they're really angry by the time I finally see them with the relationship with God um, and the whole process that they've been through because they felt like they weren't heard they felt like no one understood Um, they felt talked down to sometimes Um, And I'm not saying that's across the board with biblical counselors. That's just been my personal client's experiences. And so it's it's hard for me to see that. I hate that for clients and specifically students because they don't know what they don't know. And And they're trusting somebody, oh, I should do this, not knowing that maybe that's not the best fit for them. Um, and some individuals, that's really what they need. And others, they need a, a true counselor. Um, and if they're a Christian, sweet. Um, but they need that that different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've just seen some not-so-good things um, from clients, and that's hard. So that's where I land, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> What's your perspective, Leah? Well, the way I the way I approach it with clients, because being uh, a client that receives uh, insurance, I have a, a pretty significant population that comes see me that are not believers mm-hmm. uh, because they want to use their insurance. Um, you walk into my office, you know I'm a Christian. That's what my decor is, and I let everybody know that. I ask them if they want. Um, to have Christian counseling brought up. And the way I explain it to them is Christian counseling takes basic counseling principles, but from a Christian perspective. We talk about things as Christ would see it. Um, Talk about instead of a kind of a self-help mode, it's, well, how can you use Christ what does Christ say? Let's look at this. Let's look at 
where your view is off a little bit mm -hmm. in accordance to what scripture says. Where biblical counseling is going into the word of God, looking at, let's say, the book of John and really studying it and searching within the book of John what your issue is and what John says about that. I think that is great for somebody who is really strongly rooted in their faith and maybe there's a certain situation that they're really struggling with. The ones I see that have a core of maybe a spirit of fear um, or something else has happened are struggling and their view and understanding of life and relationships are just slightly skewed. When they're slightly skewed, reading in the Word then becomes skewed. Mm -hmm. And they can read the Word as more as um, a shame-based type mm -hmm. thing um, or as a performance-based. And so if you go in just reading just the Word without addressing that, then you're just going to continue to encourage and validate the shame and performance-based. So for me, Christian counseling adds more of a conversation, a relationship building, a searching of their understanding and beliefs and how they view things and how they understand things, then helping to bring in the true uh, Christian perspective and the true word. Whereas if I dive directly into the word, I believe I could be doing more harm than good. Uh, it depends a lot on the client. That's just who I see is where they're at, is that they need more of an integration of counseling techniques with Christianity, not just 100% biblical counseling. And I think if you have that, those two merged together, mm -hmm. that's a great place to be as a counselor. Right. And, and, you know, and... I have seen a lot of clients, some of them want the biblical or kind mm -hmm. of the Christian perspective and others don't. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of times they have the misconception that we're just going to read the Bible in there and that's it. Right. It's like, well, no, that's not what I do. We're going to address your issues and talk about them, but we're going to have the lens of Christ mm -hmm. right. and kind of where, and really discussing where are you with Christ. And, and that's an important piece that I ask because... You don't know. We can't assume where everybody's relationship is. Right. Some are new. Some are old. Some are fractured and need repair. And so it's understanding even where their their viewpoint of God <coughs> is. Mm -hmm. Some of them are really angry. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if I just told you, if they're an angry person coming in, and then I'm like, we're just going to read the book of John, I don't know necessarily we would reach them. I don't know if they would ever come back. Right. And they yeah. may hear more shame, yeah. more guilt um, coming yeah. from that and that's where you have to be cautious mm -hmm. um, in doing that mm -hmm. so yes I give them the I, the the choice but in the end I'm going to make the choice mm -hmm. um, if they say they want biblical counseling but I know that that's not going to be beneficial for them I'm not going to take them down that path um, I might in some ways but they're not going to know the difference mm -hmm. You know, really, so I'm going to be able to provide different aspects of it. So I think when you're when you're looking for a counselor, I would suggest that you make sure that the counselor is going to adjust according to the client and not just be rooted in one way, yeah. because I don't believe one way fits every client. No. 
Um, and then you get into, okay, what type of client's going to be a best fit for that person? It's a little difficulty. But when you have a counselor who is willing uh, to be flexible enough to adjust to what the client is looking for and what's going to be best for them, I think that's better, whether it's from a, you know, using Christian counseling, from where it's not even bringing in Christianity, even if the client is a Christian and they choose not to bring it in, versus biblical counseling. I think you've got to find that counselor that's willing um, to be all of those and do all of those. Um, would be my, you know, would be one thing that I would look at if I was a church referring out. Um, that's one of the things I would ask a counselor. I appreciate just your insights. I think everything you said is just really helpful to provide some clarity on, um, I think, some terms. I think names sometimes can be really confusing. And um, to just get some, your perspective, I think, is helpful. As we begin to wrap up, if you had an opportunity to sit down across from a pastor and have a similar conversation of almost of what we're having, uh, but if you just had to say really quickly, like, here would be my hope for the church when it comes to engaging uh, your people who are struggling. Is there something in mind that you would say, like, I would want the pastor to, to really hear this um, or to understand um, maybe it's the partnership idea or whatever that may be. But if you just recognize, okay, I just have a couple of minutes um, to cast hope and vision when it comes to caring well for your people, what, what do you think you would want to communicate? I would want them to know that they need to promote and recognize and support that struggle exists. That because people come to a church, because they are quote unquote good Christians, doesn't mean that they don't struggle, doesn't mean that they're not hurting doesn't mean that they're not questioning. They don't have to have major depression. They don't have to have a huge mental illness to be struggling. They could just be struggling because of life. Life is very hard. And I would really encourage pastors not to promote that everything is always good. That everybody's life is good. You know, I've talk to several pastors and they talk about the struggles in their lives and I'm like why doesn't the church know that why in the why aren't you asking the church to pray not that you have to go into details but why not say hey my family's struggling with some issues right now would the church pray for us you know we have extended family members that are dealing with addictions uh, we really need the church's prayer um, on that, we need to walk along people who understand what this is. Um, I don't think they do a good enough job of letting people know struggling is okay. It's not something that you should be ashamed of or feel guilty and shameful for having. You both are aware, you know me, um, that there have been some very difficult things that have happened in my life over the last four to five years. And for me, there was no way that I could hide it. And so I just had to embrace the fact that I need to, as the, the leader of the BSM, 
be transparent and vulnerable in some ways. I didn't go into all the details, right. but I did, as I'm teaching, I would say, listen, today, as I've been studying this passage, here's what's been hard for me. Like, I'm struggling today to believe that God is good. Right. And just literally saying, and that's okay. You know, God is big enough for my struggle. He's big enough for my questions. And I want you to know that it's okay to question. Right. And when I started to do that, the amount of students that started coming into my office and just say, can we talk about that? Right. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. And the amount of people who said, I've never heard someone in ministry say that they hurt too. Right. I've never heard anyone say that from a stage. And then it was, uh, it became even more apparent the importance of that, of me modeling that, because I made it okay to turn to Jesus when, when things were not okay. Right. And so I appreciate that. And I, from my personal experience, I saw how it transformed the relationships that I got to have yes. with students. Um, and their response was, why have I never heard that at church? Mm-hmm. And I think the greatest way we can point people to Jesus is when we're pointing them from our weakness too, right? And, and so, we're being truthful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate that perspective and and want to affirm and to say that that transformed things at the BSM for us. Mm-hmm. So what about you? If you got to have a conversation with someone, what what would be the big the big point you would want them to walk away with? Well, uh, when Liam was talking, all that popped in my head was transparency. So when you just said yes. it, I was like, yes, transparency. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been part of churches that there have been amazing pastors and leaders and that were transparent. And that was great and healthy for the church. And I've been a part of some other churches that weren't that way. And it, it was a struggle. And I think sometimes, and I don't think a pastor needs to think of every single individual and every single issue that's out there. Um, but maybe sometimes be mindful of how that sermon be, may be taken. Right. And really be aware that if there are questions after a certain sermon, they can come and ask those. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sometimes individuals, especially students, they're never going to ask that question unless right. somebody lays the lay of the land and they feel comfortable and feel like they can do that. Right. Um, and so if something's said from the pulpit and a student's struggling with that, they're gonna, they could shut down. Mm-hmm. They may not hear anything else part of the sermon. They're only going to hear that one little thing and shut down. And so if you're a part of a church and you can address that before you even start, mm-hmm. and that's just a consistent theme of how your sermons go, that, hey, if this sparks something in you and you question and you need more mm-hmm. time, come to me or come to this person or come to us or call us or email us or whatever connect with them so they don't just sit on an island and they sit week after week going I can't get over that statement you know for whatever reason um it gives them the avenue to do that because sometimes they'll sit and they'll sit for a while and then the students will just fade yes and they'll leave and they won't come back right um but if you can address that early on and be open like Leanne said I don't need to know all your personal business, mm-hmm. um, but I've had some pastors be like, "I this is hard for me. Mm-hmm. This topic and this season is hard for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. How can the church pick up the slack? What can we do as a body to really rally behind you? Right. Um, and that's that's the beauty of Christ is we help each other. We're not, we can't do everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what can be shown to, to a student is you don't have to do it alone. And you can have questions. 
and you can struggle like you said it's that's okay we don't have all the answers you know I struggled with stuff in college and it still pops up occasionally today like mm-hmm. mine was worry and I will just ruminate on something for a long time if it's something kind of going on and I last week and I was like you cannot think about this anymore <laughs> you cannot think about this anymore right and so yeah it still pops up to this day I and I tell clients all the time we can get you to a good place it doesn't mean it won't pop up again but you have all the tools you you will need and probably then some to help you get through it right and so it's just learning the church is part of that tool. A church can be a tool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. And to add on what you said, Jessica, speaking from the pulpit, and it doesn't even have to be that the pastor has to say, this has been hard for me, but to say, and this is what I've suggested to my own, is when they say, you know, take it to the Lord, pray, give it to Him. If you're doing those things and you're realizing things are not changing, come talk to us. Mm-hmm. Come, come meet with us so we can walk through this. Um, and maybe that's then the point for them to say, okay, maybe they do need a referral to mm-hmm. a counselor. But not to say, you know, take it to the Lord, give it to Him, mm-hmm. and expect everything to be okay, because then they hear, well, I'm not doing it right. Yeah, I'm failing. I'm failing. Mm-hmm. And they leave the church. Mm-hmm. But if they just add that caveat... If you are doing this, if you are working so hard in your faith and being obedient to the Lord and things are not changing, come talk to us. Sometimes there are other things going on that you may not be aware of, and that's okay. That's what we're here for. We're here to walk this journey with you. Don't give up. Come talk to us. And I think if they just encouraged that, then the students and stuff would go, okay. Yeah. I, it's okay if I go and talk. It's okay to go and say, this isn't working for me. Why? Mm-hmm. But you got to have that relationship. You've got to have that transparency, mm-hmm. which I think you alluded to is very important with this generation. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know what your truth is and where you stand, and they don't want that wavering. Yeah. They want to see that consistency yeah. in it so that they can trust it. They don't want it to be shoved down their throats, but they want that invitation of, here we are, and we are open to coming and to talking with you. Just come on in. Yeah. Yeah. I think providing an avenue for questions and doubt mm-hmm. and communicating how to express it is really important. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I think those of us in leadership have to be okay with being questioned, mm-hmm. um, with being... Uh, patient I think what I have experienced in my own ministry is you're walking with someone and you just want this like I want this to be better I want this I want you to know this I want you to believe this but then once again having to remember that like I'm not the Holy Spirit in their life Um, and so I am praying fervently for the Spirit to move and work but I'm gonna have to be patient to walk with you as you really wrestle through some of these things and I've found in all of my time with college ministry that patience um, is essential. Yeah. Just as I would want someone to be patient with me, uh, as I'm working through and trying to figure out and to grow, I have to extend that same patience to them and yes. to trust that the Spirit is going to move and work mm-hmm. uh, just through my willingness to, to be obedient and to invest well. 
Uh, well, friends, I appreciate your time, well, you sharing you. your your insight, your expertise, and and for me, just even your partnership in my life and my ministry, just the ways that you've invested in me, not only impacts me, but it impacts the ministry that I do. And so I'm really thankful for both of you, um, not only like I said for your investment, but you've been the people that I go to with my questions. Um, and so I think this is a beneficial conversation, and I look forward to hopefully the conversations continuing. Um, as other people may uh, engage in by listening with uh, by listening to our conversation, so thank you for what you do, for the thank way you, you serve Thanks. our community, mm-hmm. uh, for the way that you love people, and for the ways that you allow the Lord to use you and your gifting um, to strengthen the body of Christ uh, and to point people to the gospel that might not ever get any other your tangible ex- extension of God's grace. And I hope that you know that. Thank you. So thank you so much. Thank you for asking. Thank you. If you would like to continue this conversation, you can contact me at stephaniemgates.com. The music was created by my talented friend, Vince Romanelli. Thank you for listening.